Hi, you're listening to In Traffic with Neil Rubenstein. I am your host, Neil Rubenstein. And today I'll be sitting in traffic talking to stand-up comedian Sarah Tolomash. I'm just going to go inside this one place so it's not just windy right now. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's take not. Your, take, okay. Take I'm in. I'm in. You're good? Yeah, I'm good. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm excellent. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for uh, agreeing to do this, uh, giving your uh, personal information to a complete and total stranger at a comedy <laughs> show. No, this yeah, no great. problem. I feel like I've done a lot more dangerous things for the uh, for the sake of comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've been in uh, the sketchiest of places. Well, uh, yeah. You, how long have you been uh, doing this? Um, about 15 years. And when did it become full time? Like this is it. Um, probably, like, in 2008. Why? Uh, why I wanted to do comedy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know. I, it's, like, I'd always watched stand-up specials growing up, and then also I felt like right when I started creating memories, like, HBO happened, which were always, like, a lot of specials on all the time, and then, um, what else? Oh, like, MTV happened, and then they would play, uh, Monty Python. So I just, I don't know why, I just watched the end of a lot. I always thought it was intriguing, and then I, I felt like that's all I ever wanted to watch and talk about, and that, uh, yeah, and then, you know, I just felt like writing jokes was, it came naturally or whatever, even when I was, like, in middle school and high school. So I was like, why not just do something that I'm obsessed about anyway? Did you go to college? Did you, like, uh, have, like, a real uh, anything else lined up? No, I didn't go to college. Well, I did. uh, It's not even worth mentioning. I just got an associate's for multimedia and web design at uh, the Art Institute of Houston. But that didn't take me anywhere. The only good thing with that degree is that I learned how to video edit. So I started making my own, like, sketch videos, which actually helped a lot in the beginning. You uh, you grew up in Texas? Is that what you said? Yeah, I grew up in Texas in a suburb outside of Houston called Keywood. And when did you move here? Was that, was that 2008? Yeah, I moved to New York in 2008. You moved here, and then that was it. Like, you only did comedy after that. Yeah. I mean, occasionally I have to pick up, like, some temp work or bartending shifts because it's not consistent. Uh, it's hard to work the road if you're not a name. And I uh, I don't have that much TV credits to have headlining. So now I'm just trying to feature, which that's coming in slowly. Do you, do you find it do you find it more increasingly difficult as you get older to do stand up 
What's it get worth? Stand up work. Nah, I don't think so. I just think that, you know, like comedy clubs are a business and they try to bring in money. And if you're not a name, like it's hard to get people into the clubs. Because I'm a little older than you even. So, like, I feel like there's like a a stigma about being an old, like, older comic now. Like, uh, it's not as hip, kind of. Uh, I don't know. I don't ever get that. I always have. It's hard to say. I definitely feel like it helps you to be younger to get some, like, MTV stuff. But I feel like if you're funny, then it should be good. I always felt like stand-up is one of the only places where age doesn't matter, unless you're, like, 40 and starting. Why would you – why – like, why is that? Well, it takes forever for you to get good. So if you start at 40 – you're probably not going to be good until you're, like, 55. But there's people that still, you know, that are still considered, like, in the scene and relevant that are, you know, that are later in age than most people. But they've been doing it for a long time. Yeah, that's, the, that's like, the craziest thing about this to me is, like, it really takes forever to get, uh, to yeah, get anywhere it's, to it's, get going at all. I think it takes, like, at least 10 years to really kind of figure out what you're doing on stage. Maybe uh, a little bit sooner for people that get a lot more stage time. But, like, in Houston, you don't really – I started off in Houston. You didn't really get much stage time. I don't think until I finally came up to New York where you're going up at least three times a night that you're really getting good. So it's just like a very long, you're like, you're more likely to just go to medical school and get out and you'll make more money than even if you were 10 years into comedy. Uh, Well, yeah, there's a lot of things they can do to make more money <laughs> than uh, <laughs> But what, like, but how do you explain, and, and you don't have to, but how do you explain, like, young comics that, I haven't been doing it a long time. They get, like, their Comedy Central special. They get, you know, their whatever sitcom pilot sold. Well, I guess maybe they have their shit more together. Like, I think for the first 10 years, I was a, uh, well, I'm a recovered alcoholic. My first 10 years, I just drank a whole bunch and felt pretty comfortable in Houston. And then uh, some people just, you know, are more driven and, work work it better like I I feel like that's probably where I lack in my stand-up is that I'm not very aggressive career-wise but in my mind I feel like just writing new stuff and going up every night is what you have to do but I think you have to put in a lot more than just that do you you don't engage on the business side at all you don't uh you're not uh you're not selling yourself, do you don't think? Uh, it's hard to say. Like, uh, I don't know. I mean, honestly, yeah, I don't think I sell myself that well anyway, even on regular job interviews. Like, I've never gotten anything from a job interview. It's always through friends' recommendations. That's, it's like, that's the only thing that's ever really worked for me. I was talking to my mom about this, who's still in the workforce, and 
I mean, that feels like that applies in the regular world. Like, these days, it's more about who you know than uh, what you know, I guess. Yeah, my my wife uh, my wife's looking for a new job, and she's having the same uh, uh, experience. Like she she's she's like I've never gotten a job sending my resume out somewhere, but everybody yeah. wants me to send their resume. And it's just like, yeah, well, you're, you're only gonna you're only gonna hire someone who comes personally recommended, and why make us jump through these hoops? Just yeah, just wait for someone to. No, it's completely you. true. Like, you're just going to – people would rather just take off a recommendation. I mean, it's pretty risky to go straight off of, like, Craigslist. I feel like most of the world is full of crazies anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you just slim down that chance if one of your friends can vouch for you. Because it makes them look bad if you fuck up. Because then they – like, they wouldn't put their neck out if they didn't believe in you. I mean that's the way that's the way most of the clubs in the city work anyway. You know. Yeah, like, no, it's true. I felt like as soon as I had more friends in the community that saw me, then that's when I started getting things more in the city. Yeah, because you get recommended here, and then you meet people who are also passed somewhere else, and then they recommend you there. And... Yeah, well, like, because no one's ever really paying attention to your act because everyone's like so focused on there. Like I think sometimes what opened the doors for me in New York is when I, the first year I did March Madness at Caroline's uh-huh. because it was, it was 64 comics that got to see me do a set and see my, my actual jokes rather than the stuff I work out at open mic. Right, right, right. And then I started picking up heat and I made it to the final four so I feel like it was just a lot of people got to see me in a short period of time. And then I just noticed I was getting more shows per week after that. And that really opened the doors. And Caroline started giving me work. And then once one club opens their doors a little bit, then I feel like the other clubs kind of, like, figured it out. I feel like people look at other clubs' lineups. I feel like they look at certain clubs' lineups. True. Do you get up and stand often? That's where I saw you, right? Yeah, that's where I get up probably the most. That, and then there's Greenwich Comedy Club, and then slowly New York Comedy Club, which is great, too. And that's all, so you can, I mean, you can just pop back and forth and get, like, four spots a night, right? Yeah, that, and as well as, like, I always recommend working the bar shows as well. Sometimes you can just, like, squeeze in a quick one there. And it's also a great way to work out new material because sometimes I feel kind of um, – I still feel like I'm still trying to prove myself at clubs, so I get nervous about trying anything new unless it's, like, late at 1 a.m. in the morning. But I always feel like bar shows is a great place to be a little bit more experimental and try out stuff. Well, you're, you're talking about, like, established bar shows. You're talking about, like, Gary Vee's, like, hot soup and stuff. You're not talking yeah. about the – well, I'm also talking about anything and everything. You'll do, you'll, you'll do like, a, you know, like a bar show for seven people. Yes, I will. I will do any show you ask me to be on. 
Some do I begrudgingly you? don't want to do, but I'm like, I'll just do it. Because also I like the way that my calendar looks full. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like aesthetically, it looks great. And then if people go on your website, they're like, oh, shit, she's busy. So I say yes to everything. And that's what I feel like you're supposed to do. I mean, that's what I was told. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was told for sure. But I, I feel like my ego is too fragile that when I do a show, like a, like a tough show, like, you oh, know, it's brutal. And, and it, it's not the amount of people, it's the, it's how they came to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like 40 people, n- nine people that walked to me at a comedy show is better than 40 people that were like barking or were sitting at the bar talking until you turned your mic on. Totally. But, but I still do those because there's learning experiences from those too. Sometimes I feel like what's really good for me because I have I get really anxious and nervous before going up is that sometimes I feel like doing a lot of those shows where they're uncomfortable and you just are inevitable that you're gonna bomb. It's comfort. I don't know. I feel like it's good to get comfortable bombing. That's what they say, man. Because I think that makes you better because then you don't give a shit anymore. Because you're like, well, I just, you know, I've done the worst thing that most people are scared of doing, and it's not the worst. That even after that, after you bomb a hundred times, like, it doesn't matter anymore. So I feel like you you get a little bit of empowerment from once you're comfortable with bombing. I, I don't, like... I enjoy doing comedy, like it's fun. Mm-hmm. And then bombing's not fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, I no, don't want to put but... myself in a position where like I know I'm not gonna have fun. Like, I know I'm not gonna have fun no. today. So when I, I'd rather sit on the couch with my wife and watch either DVR something. No, of course. Thing. I mean, it could be brutal. But also, it's like I don't know. There's, I feel like you learn. I watch people when they bomb how not to treat the audience when you're not doing well, uh, how to yeah. make them still like you when you're not doing well, because some people can just get mean, and then the audience is like, well, I hate this person. Yeah, like it's, yeah. It's like it's a not, way of working on likability, too. <laughs> that, that, that's a life skill. <laughs> totally. <laughs> like, like, when people start to hate you, don't lean into it. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Although, I know, I feel like a lot of comics, once they know the audience hates them, they really do lean into it. That way they feel like they have, like, they made it happen and they controlled the situation. Yeah, but, okay, so in that instance, though, you're, that's not helping you. You know what I mean? Like, you're... Like now no, you're but that's taking not something that thing. I do. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm not saying you, yeah, but like, so then these pe- these people are told, you know, they, you know, you do these things, you bomb, so it makes you better, but then they don't actually learn from their bombing. They don't. So, like, what's the? Then what's the point? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, yeah. I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm the, I hate it. I hate that stuff. Of course. I don't, I don't want to do it. No. <laughs> it doesn't 
feel great, but uh, it, I feel like once you get quite a few of them under your belt, you realize, like, oh, well, it's part of the process. I mean, you don't want to bomb all the time, then that feels like a sign that you're not doing it right. But it's a, I think a lot of times, like, um, it sometimes it's just inevitable. It even happens to the best of them. There's also, like, comics that I watch that you're like, they're not doing well, but you can't ever tell that they're not doing well because they're not making you feel uncomfortable about it. Yeah. That's, that's And that's a admirable. skill. Yeah, that's... Yes. I remember seeing uh, Big J at the stand, and there was all, like, 10, 12 people in the audience, and he went on at, like, one thirty in the morning on a Monday or something. And, yeah. like... As soon as they introduced him, like, four people got up to leave. Like, it just the night was too long for them. Yeah. And that sounds, like, frantic. Yeah, yeah, it was it was frantic. And he mm-hmm. was awesome. Like, to eight people, like, a super pro approach. People were laughed out. They didn't want to laugh. And he just still was, like, he was Big J. Oakerson. Like, he just... Yeah, you're never going to feel awkward with him on stage. I feel like that's a good sign. That feels like someone that's the captain of their own ship. If they're in control of the situation, like they're not letting the audience control the room. I, I just think, like, for him, like, it must have been thousands of shitty bar shows to get there. You know what I mean? Like, totally. I, I, I kind of don't want to get there. I don't want to, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want the wound. <laughs> I know. It is it is brutal, but I feel like that's, you know, the ones that stay in it the longest are the ones, you know, that are the ones that are getting good is because they're just dealing with it, the worst of it, as well as the good. And you're, like, you're presence is so like you're so calm and like kind of downbeat yeah so like I can't like so when I saw you at the stand there was like a little bit of like not heckling but like kind of cross talking and like you really gave it some time you like let them talk for a minute before you're like all right, I got this, guys. Like, and it was just so like, I don't know. I, I can't imagine. I guess, I guess I can't imagine you at a bar show. But I can't imagine it being bad for you, just because of that demeanor. That like, no, all right, we're we're gonna. I'm gonna tell more jokes, and they're like, okay. <laughs> like, well, I feel like that because they always put me up at one a.m. at the stand or just really late night stuff. That and I've done. I used to do this room called LOL that would do a lot of cross talking. So I feel like um, when that happens to you a lot, you just kind of understand how to deal with it and make it work in your favor, I guess, because you can, you know, use that to your advantage. I think, but I think that you only get that perspective if you've had to deal with those situations a lot. I mean, yeah, you don't, like, I was like, oh, she's, I had it, I had seen you once before then, but I never, I wasn't really familiar with you, 
And then I saw you there, and I was like, oh, this is – like, it was just a pro move. I was like, all right. Oh, cool. That was what they're doing. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> like, yeah, no, you did. It was just – I think you literally said, I'll take it from here, guys. Like, you were just like, like sh- time to shut up. And they did. They, yeah, you know, I, the, the, I guess it's just from doing – Dealing with that kind of scenario a lot. There's a at 1 a.m. At, at the stand. A lot of the times, it's just like just really drunk or tired people, and so you, not that it happens every night there, but it does happen frequently at that time. That you just kind of get used to that behavior. So torn, man. I don't want to. I don't want to get used to it. I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it at all. Oh, no. I mean, of course, I used to hate it. And I still do. It's not like I appreciate when those moments happen, but um, I guess as time goes by, you just realize it's all silly. I don't understand how, like, what I have trouble understanding about people in general is they're at a comedy club they're watching a comic the comic's funny like the first couple of minutes they're laughing big laughs at the jokes and then start talking to their friend and ignoring the comic and it's like well the comic just proved that they're funny like don't you want to give them like two more minutes you know like, oh, yeah. No, or they look at their phone, and they don't even realize how rude and distracting that is. Like, even in the front row, you get that a lot, where you're like, no, it's just kind of funny, where you're like, all right, that's insane behavior. But, yeah, I generally just think people are rude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get yeah. And then it just feels like it's far and it's, I feel like I have more shows where people are rude than there is a pleasant audience. Yeah. Or it could be 50-50. It's a big chunk for sure. Then why do you do it? Why why does anyone do it? (laughs) Well, I don't know. I mean, I do it because I'm like, what else am I going to do? Also, I like writing jokes, and it's a way to, like, get that out there besides Twitter. I mean, Twitter feels good, but it's not the same. So you just, that's just, like, the part that sucks about it. But then I feel like a lot of people, once they make it, they get their own fan base, and then they kind of don't have to deal with that as much. But it's just part of the thing that makes you a better comic. So by the time, I don't know. It's like, doesn't it feel like in just regular business world that once you get moved up, it's less um, bullshit that you have to deal with? It's new bullshit you have to deal with. Okay, it's, yeah. That's true, but it's not, I guess it's on a different level than, like, dealing with the audience. I just feel like, like people like Amy Schumer and Louis C.K. probably aren't getting a lot of crosstalk at their shows. Because now they have people that are actually there to see them specifically and have spent a lot of money to go see them. And they're in theater shows. Some comedy clubs bring out the worst in people, I think. 
How so? I think it's just a theory, but I feel like people are probably more behaved in the theater. Well, this feels like through-through, I imagine. Yeah, and also, I bet you the people that are spending that kind of money to go, it cuts out, you know, it's like dealing with the Port Authority compared to, like, a a plane terminal. Although, terminals and airports have gotten just as bad anyway. Yeah, I mean, JFK and LaGuardia are awful. I know. Also, also theaters are, like shoving drinks down your throat. Like, you have to you have to have two drinks in 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. There's that. I know. I've never really been a big fan of that, but I, I guess you have to make your money somehow because I know people would just go to shows and not pay anything, and it would be frustrating for the wait staff. Oh, yeah. I, I don't... I don't have a... I don't have beef with it from the business side. It's just that's what, you know, you have just a, a room full of drunk jerks. Yes. Yeah, and sometimes I also feel like it brings the attitude of, like, well, let's see if this person's any funny. Like, it always feels like people, unless I'm projecting, are starting from, (laughs) you know, like, a really low standpoint when they come to a comedy club. I I, I think you might be projecting on the club level. I think at the bar show, that's what it is. I think at the bar show... And or not not uh, an established bar show, but like a, a bar in bar show, or like yeah. any barked in like you know if you do like British Village when they bark in an audience or whatever, that's when you know that's when they're like, all right, why'd you bring me in here? Like, are you guys gonna yeah. be funny or what? But like if you go to the stand, I, I think the stand has a reputation that when you're going to the stand, you're like. Oh, this is going to be a fun show. Like, I'm excited. I bet someone awesome. Oh, well, that's great if that's the case. I, I think that I think that that's the case for that particular place, I think, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I understand, I get, I understand that then rather than being barked in. Because I remember doing shows at, like, LOL where you know that the barkers had told him, like, that Chris Rock was going to show up and then yeah. – and then you're in that room, and then you're kind of like, why would you guys think that Chris Rock would be here? You have to get the comedy clubs on a fourth floor uh, near, like, uh, Port Authority. Like, it's not in a place where, you, where I'm, you know, I just I get mad at the audience. I'm like, why would you guys think that Chris Rock would be here? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's... But then I mean, those people are like, well, let's see if this person, you know, I always feel like those kind of shows definitely starts in with a negative attitude. Yeah, I I don't want to question how people do their job, but that seems like poor business practice to me. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah. Well, you're, I think we had a news article come out about them during, like, the Christmas, around Christmas time about how they were um, – Lying about stuff. Yeah, like, I, like I, I, I run a nightclub, like I run a concert venue. And yeah. I know from personal experience, if you mislead your audience, you're not, they're not coming back. And yeah. You need repeat business 
for any business to succeed. You need the people that have been in your room to be like, oh, this room is awesome. I can't wait to go back there. And you're lying to them. That's not how it's that's not going to happen. And I, I, I don't really? understand how... I don't understand how you can condone that behavior from your employees, but, I mean, I guess people I do what they got to do. They do, and I don't think they run their business model on repeat performance. Or, yeah, I, I mean, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, those rooms would always start off negative. And then also, like, I don't want to break this down into gender, but sometimes start as a female comic, sometimes I feel like, I start in the red and have a way of having to prove myself a little bit. Did you feel that way? Yeah, sometimes I do. I get that, like, especially, I don't know, sometimes I'll go up on stage and the first I look at, like, dude's body language and they've closed up a bit or they've turned their back a little bit towards me or they're, like, I just feel like sometimes, not all the time, and things are changing, but, like, I definitely think as, sometimes as a female comic, you start in the red, and you have to work your way out. Do you, do you feel that way on the business side of it as well? Um, No, I don't know. No, I don't think so, because everyone's, like, pushing diversity, that I yeah, feel like right. there's a conscious move towards, like, booking non-white males, for sure. So I and think you, it's in my advantage on the business side, but as a, like, audience member, because there's been plenty of times I've just been sitting outside of a show, and they don't even know that I'm the comic, and they'll be they'll find out it's a girl. They won't say the name, and then they'll I've just heard somebody be like, oh, you don't find females funny. And I've heard it even <laughs> from a woman. Like, women say that. So you're already starting from, like, a place of disadvantage. Uh, that's one of my favorite things is like group people like, oh, I don't like women comics, I don't like black comics. <laughs> like, what? All of them? Every one of them? I <laughs> Have know, you seen like, every one of them? <laughs> exactly. Like, what about, I don't know. There's been, <laughs> for the last 30 or 40 years, there's been some really great comics that aren't white <laughs> that I can name a whole handful. So it's always weird when people, it's, I know, it's bonkers, but it's, it is an unfortunate thing that happens. Because, uh, frankly, I don't like white comics. <laughs> like, white <laughs> men, they always, they always talk about uh, the same things. I'm like, oh, well, here yeah. I am talking about the yeah, same thing. Yeah, I know. Thing. <laughs> I know. It's uh, so weird and dismissive to just completely knock out, like, just, yeah. Say that you don't hate w one kind of uh, race of comic or gender. It's nuts. I guess if it's like like the stereotypical female comic or the stereotypical gay comic, but I don't know that those really exist anymore. They've been like weeded out by like talent, and you know you can't really. Uh, am I saying? shitty thing right now. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. They become a character of themselves. Like, I was sitting with a several, like, with a bunch of black comics the other night, and it was really funny to listen to those comics make fun of uh, the stereotypes in their in their culture, 
in their race of comedy or whatever. I don't know what the right word is. But I, I was like, that's so because fu- it's funny just to, like, the inside perspective. Just as well as, like, female comedy of, like, I remember doing, I did a little video because I watched a lot of A&E evening at the improv from the 80s, and there's a lot of female comics in there, and then you watch it, and you're like, oh, wow, (laughs) a lot of female comics back then really liked to do the devil voice. What a weird, uh, what a weird observation. (laughs) I know, but if you watch a bunch of stuff, like a bunch of showcase comedy, like the evening at the improv, and there's a ton of them on Hulu, you start yeah. looking at like the same kind of thing happening over and over again, and that that's only for that specific time period. Like now, I mean, you can even make fun of like alt comedy was a, a subshoot of that kind of comedy, but now alt comedy's been going for probably over twenty years now, and you can even pinpoint the hackiness in that too. Yeah, right. Like they're they fall into their own tropes. Yes. Like, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But you're you're like a you're a joke person. Like you're not. Oh, I love jokes. Yeah, like you write jokes. Like you're, yeah. and I feel like that's actually coming back into vogue in some regards. Like, like I there's hope like. So. Like Joe List and 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 Mark Norman, like these guys are getting a lot of steam, and it's like they they're just they're writing jokes. They're just joke writers. Yeah, and, uh, I I love jokes. Like Nick Griffin's my favorite one, or one of my favorite comics. He's a joke writer. Yeah. Um, but most comics that I like are actually joke writers. Like Bonnie McFarlane, she's a joke writer. But um, like Bonnie. Bonnie's from the era where that was the thing. Yeah. And then, like, this other thing started to happen. And now I feel like we are getting back to, like, joke, which I I am a joke person. Like, I want, I, lo- I love that. I want jokes. I like jokes. They're um, funny. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, jokes are funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. But yeah, like I, I don't know. I'm glad that that's. I'm glad that this is coming back. You know, does that make sense? Like as a as a fan of comedy, like I saw the trend where like, the, you know, I still see it with like some of the younger open micers and stuff, where it's like, oh, we want to change comedy. Well, just do something else then, because yeah, cool well, definitely for a while it was. I felt like it was personality driven. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's a good word for it. Thank you. Uh, and, uh was articulating it correctly. Yeah, it became about personality. Yeah. yeah, like sometimes I was like, oh, for a while it was just felt like the jokes were more of a vehicle for people to showcase their personality. So you could have, like, a hacky bit, but if your personality was a little bit different than what we've seen, then – that's that was refreshing. So it was never. I felt like for a while it was never about the bits. It was just by the person. Yeah, I think we're getting back to it though. I think. Uh, I think we're we're, we're uh, 
<laughs> I hope so, because I like to be during that pendulum swing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but, you know, you're right on it. That'd be great, right? Like, you just... Yeah, and after I ride the... my 10,000 hours into it, maybe the timing and the preparation. Yeah, was uh, it? Uh, luck is... Uh, Look at skill plus opportunity, right? Yes, something like that. So, yeah, something I don't know. I'm making that up. I'm not. <laughs> I'm probably way off on what that really is. Um, yeah. Well, I would say, like, this is, I have, like, a theory on stuff like that. Like, so say you're in a band in high school, and I feel like the music that you like in high school, that's what you play as your band, and that's the music that you just practice with. But over time, like, Say you do 10 years of that or 15, and you're practicing that, and that's the music that you like, and then you kind of develop your own sound, but that's definitely your influence. And then as 15 years go by and you've gotten really good in that area, that's when that kind of music comes back in style again, so then you're, like, right at the perfect time. Like, everything yeah, comes back again. Do you, feel like, do you feel like you're on, like, you're starting to, like, uh, achieve personal goals like do you feel like you're starting to get uh to a to a place that you wanted to be uh yeah i think so like i i achieved some goals this year that have been long-term goals that didn't even feel like they were going to ever happen um so that felt good but as soon as those are done then you're like no what so now you know like now I'm, I want to get a late night spot, so I'm working on a good six minutes for TV. And then I'd like to sell a show, and so I'm kind of working on stuff like that. But that's like that feels just harder. Yeah, yeah, I can and see. Then, yeah, just like getting anything on TV is hard, and you. I feel like the only way is if you're just like super well-known, so we're. I'm trying to work it from another angle of, like, you know, getting viral stuff online, doing more video sketches and stuff like that, just trying to make a name. Yeah, I feel like, uh, yeah, if you shoot it yourself, you can get attention, but... Uh, yeah. Trying to get someone to read a script. Oh, so, who wants to read a script? Yeah. It's because yeah, they're long and they're hard to, un like, even if it's probably funny, like, I still feel like you're never going to see that person's vision the way that they see it. But if you do it in a video and then you show that it got a lot of views, there's something to be said there. Like, people yeah. can get more of a feel. Um, so yeah, it's just trying to, you got to do that. You got to do more of that. I mean, write a script for sure. Cause you're always <laughs> going to ask for it once you have yeah. your video, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's I mean, I have like, yeah, I have like a bunch of pilots, right? And it's just like, well, one day someone's going to ask me to see my pilot. Yeah, well, it's good to writing them. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have this show idea that never went anywhere. Oh, I also have this, uh, this other show idea that never went anywhere. I know there's a full, like, <laughs> it's a lot of untapped resources, but they're, I mean, 
they're just, I guess networks just really want to go with someone that's going to get some viewership. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, again, from the business side, I get, I get it. I'm not, you know, yeah. I get it. I'm not, but on the other side, it's like, well, I do see some of the stuff you guys are making and it's not good. It's like the, Oh, it's, it's like horrible. it's like the it's like the business like the LOL business model. But it's like uh, I get what you're doing to get business, but no one's gonna keep watching these shows. They're horrible. Oh no, I know. <laughs> you're lying. You're lying to your audience. Oh, completely. But I always feel like when I watch that stuff, and I'm like, this is horrible. It it uh, inspires me where you're like, well, let me put my crap up. Like, if you're just putting crap up, then I should have every right to have my crap up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, you know, I don't know. I mean, I make excuses because, like, I don't, I don't roll with a crew of guys who, like, I don't, I don't know a couple of cameramen and a couple, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, I'm just, I still have to, I still have to show up to my day job, you know, and like. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of excuses I can. Yeah, I guess that's the other thing about like once you're a full time stand up, it's like well now now you have some free time where you don't have to spend all day writing jokes. You have you know you a good thirty minutes. You haven't shot a special yet. You know. Uh, yeah. You can spend some time working on other things like. Now, I'm going to take Tuesday and Wednesday off from doing stand-up and we're going to shoot this thing I've been working on or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Uh, guessing. Um, uh, Sarah, I made it to Manhattan. Yeah. I am uh, about to park. And, uh, okay. So that's how, uh, that's how these end, usually. Um, uh, uh, how funny. Yeah. Thank, uh, seriously, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I can't... Uh, you're... Uh, one of the best comics I've seen in a while, and uh, I hope. Oh, thank you. I hope your world uh, explodes. You know, you just uh, everything uh, everything comes together for you in the very near future. Oh, well, thanks. That's so sweet. Thanks for having me. Oh no, dude! Again, thank you so much for. Uh, <laughs> 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 I'm not like a safe-looking guy, so I really appreciate that you're uh, like. All right. Well, we're on the all phone. Right. <laughs> I've gone to the middle of New Jersey to do a podcast with people I don't even know where I was like, well, that was pretty dangerous. <laughs> okay. So this is one of the safest things I've done. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're wherever you are. I have no idea where you are. I'm not geotracking yeah. you. So. <laughs> That's great. Uh, all right. Thank you so much again, and uh, I right. hope to see you very soon. Yeah, definitely. Say hi if you see me. Will do. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Jerk, Neil.